Pirates lost to Chicago last night, 9-2 at PNC Park. And that's okay. Chicago is a very good team. Cole Hamels was on the mound for the Cubs. Kingham pitched like a guy who knew he couldn't possibly do well enough to stay in the rotation and probably not on the team. But my complaint is that manager Clint Hurdle started three position players with batting averages under 175 and they went a combined 0 for 12. Whoopo, Osuna, Sean Rodriguez, all under 175, a combined 0 for 12 last night. Sean Rodriguez was 0 for 4. He struck out all four times. And the fans were chanting, DFA, DFA, DFA. You see, that's what happens when your team's expected to win. You got the Serpico-looking guy punching the water cooler. Everybody likes him. That's okay when you're not expected to win. But when you are expected to win, the fans chant, DFA, DFA. Because the fans know, even if Clint Hurdle doesn't, that Sean Rodriguez, Osuna, and Luplo shouldn't be in the lineup. This is the Mark Madden Show. Other radio shows charge 40%. I only charge 25. Uh, Not only did Rodriguez strike out four times, but he was a butcher at second base. Right off the bat, Rodriguez makes an error, and the Cubs get four runs in the first inning. If you're going to go get Archer and Caleb and try to make a legitimate run at a playoff berth, then Hurdle has to quit managing like it's Little League. He's got to play the best guys, period. I know guys are hurt, but three Jamokes in the lineup is crippling. Play Frazier. Play Freeze at first and Moran at third. I don't care about lefty-lefty. Rodriguez, Osuna, and Luplo can't hit anybody. Where was Josh Harrison last night? I don't know how Sean Rodriguez just keeps playing. Tell me that doesn't frustrate you as a Pirate fan, especially now because of the trades, expectations are way up. Your thoughts, 412-333-9939. Chris Archer is already the Pirates' most popular player. Already the most popular player, and he hasn't yet thrown a pitch. Maybe that's the secret. We'll see what everybody thinks of Chris Archer at about 11 p.m. tomorrow night. Uh, Lots of college football news. Urban Meyer is on paid administrative leave as football coach at Ohio State. Meyer might get the axe. I didn't think he would. I thought football at Ohio State was bigger than that. Maybe it's not. Perhaps that's good. The victim, the assistant coach's wife, who got abused. Why did she go to Meyer's wife? She didn't go to HR at the university. She didn't go to the police. She didn't go directly to the head coach. 
She went to the head coach's wife. That's an odd choice. And I will talk more about that in a bit. Uh, Jay Paterno, who is Joe Paterno's son and nothing else, Jay Paterno urged Ohio State to, quote, stand up to the mob mentality, unquote. Well, now, hell, after Jay said that, Ohio State has to fire Urban Meyer. You're going to listen to Jay Paterno, the professional son, an absolute embarrassment to his school, his profession, and his family? I don't think so. What I'm more concerned about is this ad I saw on TV. There's a medicine for diabetic nerve pain. And if you take it, you can't drive or work, and you may have suicidal thoughts. Given the choice, I'll take my chances with diabetic nerve pain. Anyway, the Pirates lost. It was 6-1 Cubs after two innings. Kingham lasted one inning and threw 51 pitches. I heard he walked off the mound and kept right on walking all the way to Indianapolis. Uh, That was a lopsided and depressing loss. But the tendency after a productive trade deadline in any sport is to think, well, now we're going to win every game or eight out of every ten and put a stranglehold on that wild card. But that's not how it works. What were you thinking when Rodriguez mangled that first inning and Kingham sucked? And the game was over right away. No big deal. It's it's only one game. It doesn't matter. Unless you miss the playoffs by one game. We got Levi Weaver joining us at 3.30. He covers the Texas Rangers for theathletic.com. He'll give us the lowdown and dirty on new Pirates relief pitcher Keona Kayla, who I don't think is reported yet. What's he waiting for? I wonder if Levi Weaver knows anything about that. What if that that prospect, that Hearn, gets to Texas and the Rangers say, you know what, we're keeping Kayla too. You don't like that? Come and get him yourself. So that's Levi Weaver at 3.30. It's good to talk baseball, even though most of you don't like to hear me talk it because you think I hate the Pirates, which I don't. I'm the last real Pirate fan because I just want them to win. But it's good to look at the team improving and meaningful games on the horizon. I don't believe the Pirates are going to make the playoffs, but I do believe they can stay in the race for a playoff berth all the way through September. And that's the least that fans should have expected going into the season, and also going in to the trade deadline. For the Pirates to still be pretty good after swapping Cole and McCutcheon in the offseason, and then to make these moves, that's a feather in the organization's cap, but uh, I'm going to keep it in my pants because I don't believe the hype should be overwhelming because the Pirates haven't long last done the right thing. And... You don't know they're going to spend money this coming offseason. You don't know they're going to add it next year's trade deadline, given a similar situation. In 2016, they were three games out of a wild card 
and they traded Liriano and Melanson. I think this is a one-time PR extravaganza. If I were you, I would savor the flavor because I don't believe it's going to happen again. Uh, I, I talked last week about how the Pirates should have kept the window open after the 2015 season. How they should have signed Hap and should have kept Cole this past offseason. Had they kept a semblance of that 2015 together, that 98-win team that uh, wasn't the best team in baseball in 2015, but it was a reasonable facsimile, if they would have kept, like, say, four of the key components that left the team between the end of the 2015 season and the 2016 trade deadline, if they would have kept four of the guys who left, eight key components left, let's say they keep half of those, Bob Nutting still would have made money. A lot of money. Just wouldn't have made as much. Too many of you seem to think, because you're told to think this way, in ways subtle and otherwise, by the Pirates and by their Stooge media, you act like if he signed more good players that he'd be broke. No, he'd still make money. He just wouldn't make as much money. But as I've said for years now, Bob Nutting's greatest accomplishment is to get you to think about his money like it's your money, even as he takes your money and makes it his money. 412-333-9939 is the number to call up. We're going to get to the Urban Meyer story in great detail, probably at the top of the hour. But Ralph Sindrich, the local guy, uh, former football player, he's an agent. Listen to this quote about Urban Meyer from Ralph Sindrich on Twitter. He's garbage as a human being. I'd rather send my kid to prison than to Ohio State with him there, unquote. Obviously, Ralph Sindrich didn't watch Oz, the prison drama on HBO, but uh, but I do get where he's coming from. 412-333-9939. If all this weren't enough, Lev Bell's girlfriend, well, I guess this is his freshly ex-girlfriend, she posted quite a tirade on Instagram. I would play it, except we can't play it. Literally, every third word is an F-bomb. But I'll tell you the gist of what she said in just a few moments. Also, the Patriots have signed wide receiver Eric Decker. This is in keeping with a little-known Massachusetts state law that says only white guys are committed are permitted to catch a pass. Whatever happened to affirmative action? I'm Mark Madden, 1059 X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. SG, hola, good sir. Hola. Hey, Mark, how you doing? My solution is give me my cake and eat me too. The X at 1059. Uh, it is with great gravitas and a heavy heart. I now discuss the disaster that took place at. Uh, Kennywood Park yesterday. Uh, if you don't know what happened, if you didn't catch Channel 2's potentially Pulitzer Prize winning coverage, the pirate ship ride at Kennywood malfunctioned. 
it wouldn't stop for about 10 minutes. Now, for those unfamiliar, it's a giant pirate ship. It swings back and forth like a pendulum, and the brake failed. It's supposed to be about a a two-minute ride, but it would not stop for the best part of 10 minutes, and everyone threw up their potato patch fries. A Channel 2 with Paul Martino treated it like a building collapsed, like The Rock should have showed up to rescue his family. Uh, let's ask those kids in Thailand, stuck in a cave, let's ask them what they think about the Kennywood Park disaster and uh, put that on Channel 2. Maybe Gordon Lightfoot could write a song about the Kennywood disaster. Uh, Channel 2's coverage of it reminded me of Les Nessman in WKRP in Cincinnati when he talked about the turkeys being thrown from a helicopter. The turkeys are hitting the ground like sacks of wet cement. Oh, the humanity. Uh, It's a two-minute ride, like I said. Those people got five extra rides. The way I see it, they all owe Kennywood 20 bucks a piece. It's like that Johnny Knoxville movie, Action Point. Uh, what Lev Bell did, having that cottage cheese ass sliding all over him, that was much more dangerous than what happened at Kennywood when the pirate ship ride malfunctioned. Uh, the pirates malfunctioned last night at PNC. The pirate ship malfunctioned at Kennywood. Maybe Sean Rodriguez was on the controls of that ride at Kennywood. Think about it. Giant pirate ship, pendulum, swinging back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and never hitting anything. That sounds a lot like Sean Rodriguez going 0 for 4 with four strikeouts last night at PNC. Please do join me now, Pittsburgh and Channing. D-F-A, D-F-A, D-F-A. No surprise that Paul Martino was involved with this incredibly over-the-top reporting of a non-disaster. When I got fired at 12.50, Paul Martino was camped outside the door of my townhouse trying to get a comment. That guy, Paul Martino, he sniffs pants for a living. That's what he does. Your comments on the Kennywood disaster, I have trouble talking about it. I mean, I just pray that everyone can somehow find the courage and strength to go on. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Uh, Chris Archer is the new mayor of Pittsburgh. He shows up wearing an Antonio Brown jersey. I saw him on TV last night signing number 24 Archer Pirate jerseys, posing for a million pictures, tweeting out video messages to the people of Pittsburgh. In his press conference, he was like Johnny Carson. He's like the Sean Casey, but with dreadlocks of of the current day Pirates. I'm not making fun of the guy. He just knows how to make an entrance. I can't get over the Kennywood thing. I can't get over the Obermeyer thing. There's a whole lot of stuff I 
Just can't get over it today. Call to discuss 412-333-WXDX. Uh, oh, staying with the Pirates, Tim Benz wrote a column that one reason the Pirates are having success is because the Americans and the Latinos are getting along in the clubhouse. Now, was there like a race war before this winning streak? Was it like West Side Story, the Americans and the Latinos at each other's throats? But if that is true, if the Americans and the Latinos are getting along, the Pirates are setting a good example for this country, and perhaps President Trump should come to town and have a rally and bring a Polanco and somebody white bread, like, I don't know, maybe Mercer, and say, look, they're teammates working together. This can work. Now, from what I understand, a big part of this camaraderie between the Americans and the Latinos is that Jamison Tyon had the chance to separate Marte from his family and opted to not do so. So, anyway, go Bucks. A, a quick note, the Riverhounds won 3-0 last night at Highmark. The Riverhounds' record on the season is uh, 10 wins, 7 draws, and 3 losses under new coach Bob Lilly, who's just doing a terrific job. Him and his assistant, Mark uh, Pulisic. So, kudos to them and to the players. The Riverhounds in a very solid third place in the United Soccer League's Eastern Conference. Uh, the Riverhounds are for real. It took a bit of time, but Pittsburgh has a proper soccer team. Up next... He covers the Texas Rangers for TheAthletic.com. We're going to talk about, assuming he ever shows up here in Pittsburgh, we're going to talk about the impact Keone Kayla, the reliever, will have on the Pirates. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 X. X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark, check it out. Even as a kid, I was a super genius. I was the coolest white guy on the radio. <laughs> I think I'm the coolest guy, period, but what's up? The X at 105.9. The Pirates got relief pitcher Keone Kayla from the Texas Rangers at the deadline. Joining us now to give the 411 on Kayla from the Athletic. He covers the Texas Rangers. It's a pleasure to have Levi Weaver. Oh, Levi, first off, why hasn't Kayla shown up? What have you done with him? I thought he'd be in Pittsburgh by now. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh I, I actually have not have not heard why it is that he is why he's not I would assume they got like seventy two hours, right? Correct. So, yeah, I guess he'll be there soon. Um, I don't know. Well, no, I, I no, no game today, so no harm done, really. And uh, certainly he'll be worth the wait by all uh, accounts. Now, this is Kayla's fourth year in the majors. How far has he come uh, in that time? How proven is he, Levi, as a commodity? He's only 25 years old. Yeah, yeah he's still pretty young. Um, he's had some you know, shoulder questions in the past, some some minor injuries, not like injuries, injuries, but shoulder soreness that has kept him out. And, um, but I think, I think he's come a long way this year specifically. I think stepping into the closers role was something that really helped him, um, in his maturation process. You know, he's, there's been some questions about his, his, uh, ability, you know, is he a good clubhouse guy? And, and, um, I think he kind of gets a bad rap because there, he's, he's had a lot to, to overcome and, you know, this year he's he's been more um, I, I, the mature is the word that I keep coming back to. Mature in dealing with the press. Mature in his 
pitching, and then you know I don't think there's any question that once he's on the mound, he's a he's a good pitcher. He's got a plus fastball. He's got a really good curveball. He can do the job. I mean, the questions that have that have always sort of followed him since his time in the minor leagues is you know is, is he going to keep his head on straight? And it seems like this year he's done that. Well, in that vein, Levi, Kayla isn't going to close in Pittsburgh. That job belongs to Vasquez. How will right. Kayla handle that? Uh, what, how's he going to react to? I mean, he's still going to be an integral part, a, a setup guy, and he might get some right-handed save opportunities. But uh, I think Vasquez is going to be the guy. Oh, sure, yeah, no, and, and uh, Kayla told us before he left. He said that you know he didn't need to be a closer. He is fine setting up whatever whatever role he ends up in wherever he goes. That's, that's I don't think that'll be a problem for him. One one thing I've really noticed about his game is that he is. Um, you know those those people in life that when when things start to get real, like it starts to get stressful, there's a you know a car accident or there's an emergency, all of a sudden they're they don't peak, freak out, they don't panic, like they are in their moment and very very clear headed. Kella's kind of that guy. Um, you know, if the bench is clear, if <laughs> if the situation in the game starts to get a little bit haywire, there's an error behind him or a bad call. It seems like he really really starts to focus in, and uh, and I think that that's that does fit well for a closer, but I think if you you know put him in a situation where you got a couple runners on base and and it's a a pivotal situation in the game, I think that's where he really really shines. Now his stats this year are a bit contradictory. Uh, his ERA is not great, but he's twenty four out of twenty five on saves. Uh, the ERA, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Levi, that's just a product of a couple real bad games, correct? Correct. Yeah, he gave up a grand slam in one game. Um, and then I think he had one other really bad outing. But by and large, like it's, it's with relief pitchers, especially the ERA can do that. Where it, you know, a couple of bad outings and it makes it look like you've had a bad year. But no, he he had two very very bad outings, and then the rest of the time he's been pretty lights out. We're talking to Levi Weaver. He covers the Texas Rangers for the Athletic. He's given us the front page on new pirate Keone Kella. Uh, what makes him so tough against right-handed hitters, Levi? Uh, Righties are hitting only 125 against Kella this season. That is an astronomically low figure. Yeah, uh, his curveball is really, really deceptive. His his arm slot is good. He, you know, if you ever look at those pitching ninja um, overlay gifts where he'll, he'll show the pitcher throwing two pitches at once, Kella's arm slot is pretty consistent in both things. His arm speed is pretty consistent, so it almost functions as a as a changeup, but it breaks and it's nasty and it's a hard curveball. So it, even coming out of the hand, it doesn't look like a slow, like high 60s, low 70s curveball. It usually comes in about 82 to 84, and so it's still got a little bit of pop coming out of the arm, but it's enough of a of a speed difference between that and his fastball, which sits 95, but I've seen 97, 98 out of it before. So, um, you know, with, with just two pitches, he's he's pretty nasty. Now the Pirates like their pitchers to pitch to contact, but that's not Kevin's uh, style, is it? Um. No, <laughs> I mean the the quick answer is no. But the Rangers also have been very uh, sort of their philosophy is establish your fastball and get action in the first three pitches, whether that means swing and miss or whether that means you know contact. So I think he doesn't nibble a lot. He's not a guy that's going to get two strikes and then waste a few pitches outside the zone. He's he's an attack guy. So whether that's contact or strikeouts, um, he is a, at, at very least not a guy that's going to waste any pitches. He's not a he's not a nibbler. Now, uh, Keller's quality duly noted. 
What makes closers so disposable, especially in Texas, uh, Levi? The Rangers have had six closers in six years, and most of them have been pretty good. Oh, are you still there? I think we lost you. No, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry. Oh, I lost okay, you no, to, to resume, uh, you know, Kevin's obviously very good, but what makes closers so disposable? Down in Texas, they've had six closers in six years, and most have been pretty good. Yeah, so we talked to John Daniels about this uh, just after the trade deadline, and he said that he thinks that while, yes, there is some, uh, you know, mental toughness that is required for the for the role of closer, by and large, like, the, the role of closer, he doesn't really view it that way. He said he would rather set up a bullpen that has two or three dominant arms at the end of the at the back end of the bullpen. And so that's part of the reason that they were willing to deal Kella is because as a, as a closer, there's a little bit of uh, mystique isn't the right word, but it gives a a little added extra value around the league and you feel like you can get more return. And, and so he, yeah, when you look at the closers, they're like last year, it was Alex Claudio. He was a closer kind of by default because everybody else was, uh, just did not get the job done before that. It was Sam Dyson. They ended up trading him, not because, they were getting extra value, but because he just completely lost the ability to to pitch well. Before that, it was Sean Tolleson. Sean Tolleson kind of, I think he had an injury the year before that. So it's not just that they're disposable. um, It's more that it's been a weird tradition of closers not being great the season after they've been the closer and getting replaced. Uh, But in this particular instance, I think just the value that, that Daniels felt like he could get from Kella as the team goes into a rebuild was enough to go ahead and ship him off. Uh, Texas got Taylor Hearn from the Pirates, who is a pretty good left-handed pitching prospect. Are the Rangers satisfied with that return, Levi? And what do you see as Taylor's potential, uh, as Hearn's potential timetable? Um, as far as whether they're satisfied, that's, that's a good question. I don't know that we're ever going to get a straight answer from any front office if they're not satisfied. <laughs> like they're not going to be like, well, we kind of had to settle. Well, for well put it this way, Levi: Should they be satisfied? I think so. I think there's enough potential with her, and I think he could be a starting pitcher for years to come. I mean, I, I think the earliest the Rangers can reasonably hope to compete again is probably 2020, maybe 2021. Hearn fits right into that time slot, and you know, if he's if he maximizes his potential, he could be a top or middle part of the rotation guy for them for as long as that window is open. And so, yeah, I mean, that's and we'll see who the player to be named later is too. I, you know, we don't know fully what the return is, but. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're trying to maximize on the value of a closer, um, we would have loved to have had Kella around for those years. He's still young enough that he could have been here, but he would have been sort of near the back end of, you know, going into free agency as that started. Uh, if you can flip that for a guy that's going to be here for the whole window, and especially somebody that's going to be in the rotation, that's, that's not a bad return. Levi, you've been very informative. Thanks so much. And by the way, just for your edification, it's been announced Kella will report to the Pirates tomorrow. He'll be in uniform. Fantastic. All right. Hey, if you find out what uh, uniform number he's going to wear, let me know. I'm just curious because I know. Uh, no, we got, I got it right here. It's 35. 35. Fantastic. All right. There you go. Who says we don't give good return when you appear on this show? Again, thank you, Levi. <laughs> All right. Thanks, of course. Anytime. That's Levi Weaver. Check out his work at theathletic.com. Uh, this, according to Stephen Nesbitt in the Post Gazette, Kella will arrive in Pittsburgh tomorrow and be in uniform, perhaps ready to come in and. Protect a lead for Chris Archer. 412-333-9939. I'd like to ask if there were any eyewitnesses out there to the Kennywood disaster. Any eyewitnesses? Anybody actually on the pirate ship 
when it went out of control and stomachs were nauseated, lives were threatened. Any eyewitnesses? Can anybody tell me what it was like to be in the center of that maelstrom? 412-333-WXDX. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, what's up, Mr. Madden? Their moth might say no right now, but in their hearts, they're saying yes, yes, oh yes. The X at 105.9. Channel 11 is jumping on coverage of the Kennywood Park disaster. Aaron Martin of WPXI tweets, Kennywood's pirate ship is back open, but 11 investigators have learned a similar issue also arose in December of 2017. I'm digging through seven years of inspection reports for Channel 11 News at 6. Dude, Kennywood Park ain't open in December. It wasn't open in December 2017. Leave freaking Kennywood Park alone. It's a Pittsburgh institution. No quarter. Brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at CWElectricalServices.com. Uh, Le'Veon Bell's girlfriend, well, now ex-girlfriend, she went on Instagram today and ripped them to shreds. I literally can't play the audio because every other word's an F-bomb. But she ripped them. She said she was pregnant, lost the baby, wishes him the worst in life, says he, quote, embarrassed her in front of other girls, unquote, says that Bell caused problems for her family, says he lied about getting married, unquote, Honey, if you believe Lev Bell when he said he going to marry you, I wonder what you thought if he told you he was going to show up for training camp on time. Uh, and she also complained that Lev got rid of her. And by Monday, quote, you already have a new bitch and she's pregnant, unquote. And then the spurned girlfriend adds, and that's on top of the baby mama. So she seemed upset. I see now why Lev wants to max out on the money. Baby mamas are expensive. So are strippers, even strip clubs rather. Even ones with butt ugly strippers. 412 412-333-9939. Here's a great tweet. I said before that uh, the pirate ship ride going back and forth without hitting anything reminded me of Sean Rodriguez's uh, four at-bats last night. 0 for 4 with four strikeouts. Somebody tweeted, if Rodriguez ran the pirate ship at Kennywood, it would swing three times and be over. To which I can only add, Jackpot! I should write a song about about uh, about the Kennywood disaster. Wait, let me try "Wreck of Edmund Fitzgerald," the Gordon Lightfoot song, which may be tough to sing to the background of no quarter, but I'll give it a try. It soared back and forth from the south to the north. And the swings turned the minutes to hours. 
Kennywood, it is said, never gives up her dead. The blood gets washed away by rain showers. The kangaroo bites and the children take flight. And Paul Martino, he soils his trousers. Channel 2 leads the crying like people are dying. On the television sets and internet browsers. It's not bad, right? Actually, it sounded good with no quarter is the backdrop. 412-333-9939 it is the number to call. Just a bunch of crazy nonsense to talk about today. The first NFL exhibition game is tonight, the Hall of Fame game. We get to see the new helmet rule, which is actually the old helmet rule, except they apparently are determined to call it this year. It's no tolerance. If you lower your head to make contact with your helmet, it's a penalty. That doesn't just apply to tackling. That applies if you're a ball carrier and you duck your head at the point of contact. That's a flag on you. Uh, They're supposed to call it every time, which could be a problem because it happens on almost every play. Now, I have long preached, and many people have agreed with me when I say, football's a contact sport. If you play it, you know what you're getting into. If you don't want to play, don't play. But if you do, live with the consequences. A lot of players have echoed my sentiments. But the fact is, football can't do that. Football has to try to make the game safer, even if it's through ridiculous means that do minimize contact, that do compromise the spirit of how the game is played. Because the lawsuits, the public opinion, the last thing the NFL needs is more controversy. What with this anthem thing still raging. Uh, LeBron James told CNN that America under Trump is returning to the days of slavery and Jim Crow. That's like when Richard Sherman talked about the Dallas Cowboys operating a plantation. You know, you can have good points when it comes to discussing race and politics in this country. And I welcome input from guys like like Richard Sherman and especially LeBron James. But don't obscure your good points by saying things that are totally and unequivocally stupid. Now, in that vein, perversely so, the New York Times hired a new member for its editorial board. Sarah John. I hope I'm saying that right. Sarah J-E-O-N-G. She hates men and white people. Check out her Twitter. Sarah John hates men and white people. She's got a hashtag. Hashtag cancel white people. So she certainly qualified for the New York Times editorial board. Maybe she can direct Guardians of the Galaxy. D-F-A, D-F-A, D-F-A. I can't get over that one. That's too good. Uh, Last night, uh, we've been talking about this quite a bit the first hour. If the Pirates are going to do stuff like trade for Archer and Kellup, they can't start Osuna, Rodriguez, and Luplo 
the same game. I would recommend not starting any of them ever. I mean, what's the point of going out and getting the top of the rotation pitcher and a very good reliever if you're going to have a little league philosophy where everybody gets a turn to play? And those three guys, Luplo, Osuna, and Rodriguez, went 0 for 12. Rodriguez was 0 for 4 with four strikeouts. He mangled a ground ball in the first inning. If they're serious, they need to DFA Sean Rodriguez. If they're serious about winning. And maybe the clubhouse would react negatively. If I were Huntington, I'd go in and say, look it. We went out and got a top of the rotation starter. And a legitimate closer who's going to now serve as our setup man, which gives us a very good bullpen. And one of the best bullpens in the league for the last three innings. We're trying to win. And if we're trying to win, we can't keep around a 165 bidder just because he's a nice guy. 164, actually. He trails me by two points in the batting average versus IQ race. 164 for Rodriguez. 166, of course, for the super genius. But you got to get rid of that guy. Seriously, keeping him because he's liked in the clubhouse just isn't a good enough reason. Because when you're competing for a wild card and you're starting out with a deficit, it's got to be all hands on deck. Everybody has to be crew and not passengers. They need to get rid of Sean Rodriguez and barring that, they need to just never start him again, ever. Uh, the one-on-one matchup between Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson is set. It's going to be Thanksgiving weekend. Not sure if it's Friday, Saturday, or Sunday yet. But Thanksgiving weekend at Shadow Creek Golf Course in fabulous Las Vegas. I should go then. I should go and heckle Tiger Woods like, uh, was that Joe Flaherty in Happy Gilmore? Jackass! Uh, $10 million winner take all. Neither one can win on the tour anymore, so... They've created an event that that one has to win. And I'm not being critical because it will absolutely draw a monster rating on TV. What they should do is, and I spoke about this when this notion of this match first germinated. What was it, a, a couple weeks ago maybe? It's a hustlers type thing. This sounds like something a couple golf hustlers would do. Get somebody else to put up $10 million for them to play for. There should be a side bet between the two of at least a million dollars of each his own money. And that should be publicized. That would make it even sexier. And they should be allowed to use all the old hustler's tricks. No, no cheating. No, no kicking the ball into the fairway and saying, yes, yes, winner rules. But like, you know, you're allowed to grease the face of the golf club. You're allowed to carry 50 clubs in your bag if that's what you want. Anything that breaks the rules of golf, but's even Steven for both participants, like the, the, the hustler's code. Well, actually, the hustler's code isn't even Steven, but you get the idea. They should, they should do that. Make this match as nutty as it can be. In just a moment... I'm going to lay it on the line about the Urban Meyer situation at Ohio State. 
He's currently on paid leave, and uh, he may not survive having known, at least we think he knew, that one of his assistant coaches was physically abusing the assistant coach's wife. 105.90X.